in my house when I grew up, we never ever received a gun for Christmas. There was no guns ever under the tree. It was just something that just didn't happen. And matter of fact, I think somebody once brought a gun, a plastic toy gun. Dad took it outside, broke it in pieces, and that's it. Done. We're not having guns in this house. Just something like that. The cold cruelty of war sees about as far as one gets from the general generosity of Christmas. The pain and suffering of battle during World War I, World War II, and some of the other wars that took place afterwards really didn't help with the what I call the celebration of Christmas. However, there was a time in World War I when Christmas arrived right in the midst of an intense global battle. And there's a Christmas truce. It's called the Christmas Truce of 1914, World War I. And she's going to put it up on the screen right now. You're going to watch it. The German trenches. And then they began to sing Silent Night. My grandfather was a captain in the Royal Warwicks. His man I, I knew little about until I read his diaries. He made contact with two German officers at dawn uh, on Christmas Day. That was really the start of a mass um, exchange of things in no man's land between um, German and British soldiers. As the day broke, the enemy would be seen to bob up and down, and as the British did not fire, they plucked up enough courage to get out of their trenches. I met their officer, and we arranged a local armistice for 48 hours. As far as I can tell, this effort of ours extended itself throughout the whole line. The soldiers on both sides met in their hundreds and exchanged greetings and gifts. The Christmas truce wasn't just one event. It was a whole series of events scattered along a fairly small area of the front line, but it certainly wasn't continuous. Some soldiers died on Christmas Day 1914. They got out of the trench thinking there was a truce and they were shot by Germans who didn't want a truce. So it was a very courageous thing for them to do. It was an experience of a lifetime, I should think, and one very rare. Dann wurde alles ausgetauscht, was jeder gerade bei sich hatte. Tabak, Schokolade, Schnaps, Augenbänder und vieles andere mehr. Es war ein drolliger Anblick. During the day we had football matches with a new ball sent by some kind friends. So you see, it takes a good lot to upset our men and make us forget Christmas. We may never know what really happened. We can't be 100% sure that there was a football match between the Germans and the Allies. There probably was, almost certainly was. What matters is the message that that whole event carries, which is, you know, even at the toughest of times, in the, in the heat of war and in the most dreadful occasions, there can be great humanity. The Christmas truce um, certainly happened. Who knows all the details behind it? But it's a really good way for, for people to start to understand the First World War and understand the humanity, uh, not just the scale and destruction, but also all those small moments of, of charity and support uh, uh, and, and human contact that, that easily get lost otherwise. It is a great hope for future peace when two great nations hating each other as foes have seldom hated should on Christmas Day, and for all that the word implies, lay down their arms, exchange smokes, and wish each other happiness. What was interesting about that whole story, it was missed at the very beginning, was that the German soldiers, while they were in their trenches, started singing Silent Night, Holy Night in German. Still Nacht, Heilige Nacht, some of you who are 
know some of your German. And then when the English soldiers heard that, they began to sing in English, Silent Night, Holy Night, in harmony with the German soldiers. That was what precipitated the whole event. As you watch that, there's if you can go to uh, history.com, you'll find some more video clips on that, guys, and gals, if you're interested in that. It's unique that through the message of the gospel presented through that song, Silent Night, the two warring factions laid down their arms, got together, and brokered peace for a short time. On that special day, enemies laid down their weapons of war and became friends. And, you know, when you watch that video documenting what really happened, it really makes you realize that there must have been quite a sight for those enemy soldiers to talk about to each other. And they, they actually traded cheese and chocolates, showed pictures of their wives, girlfriends, family. But yet, in a similar way, God's peace can fill us and rule us where we're surrounded by death and evil all around us. If you look again, and I, I hate to say it, but as you look at the media, what's being presented, whether you're watching on on your computers or you're watching on your cell phones or through TV, it's it's not a it's not a warm feeling when you look at what's happening in the world today. Uh, you probably saw the the big earthquake that took place in Indonesia just a few hours ago, and the destruction that took place. Yeah, Christmas is do, typically and dutifully uh, thought of as a season of joy. But yet, it can be a painful season for many people. Maybe one of them. Maybe one of them. Maybe you face battles today that nobody knows about. Uh, maybe you're going through situations in your life that you really can't talk to anybody about. And so Christmas, really, you're not really into it because there's stuff going on. And yet, uh, I would ask you, what darkness haunts you at this point that you're not experiencing peace in your lives, especially at this time of Christmas? We might not be able to, in a sense, sense, see peace in this world at this point until Christ comes. But yet, even in the darkest places of challenge, God can be with us and bring us peace. Today, as we continue our Advent journey towards Christmas, we're focusing and celebrating the whole idea of peace. We've talked about uh, the different words, uh, the different aspects of Christmas about love, joy, and uh, the things that Christ brings at Christmas to us. But if you're journeying us with us these past three weeks toward Christmas, you know we're celebrating the idea of Advent. Advent is the coming of Christ. Advent offers us the opportunity to share in the ancient longing for the coming of Messiah, to celebrate his birth and to be alert for his second coming. It's just, we have to really focus at Christmas, that Christmas is all about Christ. Sometimes you see that little phrase on people's lawns, Jesus is the reason for the season. It seems like a trite remark sometimes. But if we lose sight of what Christmas is really all about, we truly lose the whole, what's Christmas really all about? For a lot of families, it's about getting together. It's about eating nice meals together. It's exchanging presents. But I think after that's all said and done, what's, what's, what's left after that? Well, Christ. And so as you think about that, you think about why is Christmas going to be different for you this year? What's going to be significant? Or do you find yourself maybe going through the same old routines over and over again saying, well, what's it really all about? And yet, without Christ, as I said earlier, what's the real true meaning of Christmas? During Advent, we wait for both active, assured, hopeful waiting for Christ to come 
and make a huge difference in this world. Each week we focus on a different attribute, as I said earlier. And so because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, he is the embodiment of all those traits of hope, love, joy, and peace. And we center it on Christmas because without Christmas, what's it really all about? In the shepherds, we saw peace restored. The shepherds in the Christmas story often get a bad rap. You ever think about that? They're presented as outcasts in their day. Dirty, unruly group at the bottom rung of society. If you look even at the Jewish writings in that day, if you were in a court of law, you could not <clears throat> use a shepherd as a witness in any statement because their word was discounted. It just didn't, it wasn't good. And while they definitely had a lower place in society, not all scholars believe they were really that unrespectable, but it says so. The shepherds at one point held a very high position in Jewish society, especially with King David being a shepherd. But whether or not shepherds for Jesus' day were totally a motley crew, the profession had undeniably fallen to bad repute in that day. They were definitely considered an embodiment of a lower class, people that you just really didn't trust. They had involved jobs of hard labor. They were stinky. They were smelly because they spent all their time out in the fields looking after the sheep. You thought you had a bad job. And so the other end of the spectrum in Israel, there were religious leaders of the day who were highly respected. They were called Pharisees, Sadducees. They were the educated elite. Smug in their moral goodness and high positions of power, they made sure everybody knew about their, they even had a caste system in Israel as to who rated and who didn't. We heard about the caste system in India. And so the Pharisees and Sadducees said, we're at the top. And so they kept themselves lifted up by pulling everybody else down, by describing what the rules were and how to measure up. And unless you measure up, which they developed laws and rules that were just ridiculous, that nobody could measure up. So in this hierarchy, shepherds weren't exactly accustomed to being contacted by angelic beings. Imagine their surprise shepherds who are thought of as outcasts in their society. Uh, they're on a star-filled night out on the barren plains of Bethlehem where a bright scar in the sky looks down upon them. And the Luke describes this just like this to the shepherds. Luke 2, 8, 9. It said there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Think about that. You're looked down by people in society. You're not really appreciated. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, doing the same old, same old, a heavenly host appear, and this bright light shines around you. And you're thinking like National Enquirer, UFO experience. Well, no, they didn't have that back then. And then as if in a vision, the angel wasn't enough. The glowing guy, the angel spoke to the shepherds and he says this. And the angel said to him, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, his Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Unbelievable, but wait, there's more. Literally more, as in more angels. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. The words 
would have been literally unbelievable to those shepherds as they heard that. The message coming to us, really? The angels were making a proclamation of peace to those on whom God's favor rests. And they were making it to shepherds, the lowlifes, the outcasts, the ones who are looked down. That's who God chose to bring the message to. Don't forget that. Can you imagine the confusion and doubts where they were going on in their minds? Is this all took place? Wait, I think they got the wrong guys here. Um, but yet angels don't make mistakes, so I guess that's us. God's favor is on us and his peace is with us? Like, seriously? Us? Why would he bring a message to us? Whatever the case, this was completely out of the ordinary for these guys. This wasn't supposed to happen to shepherds. Supernatural messages or encounters with God uh, happened to people that were better than they were. But no, God says, no, you're the ones. They were these messages reserved for the super spiritual religious leaders of the day. But you know what's interesting? God never revealed his message to the super spiritual people in his day, did he? Ever. But he revealed it, he revealed it to all common, ordinary people like you and I and said, This is the message that I want to give you. This is the message that's important. But like most of Jesus' coming, the announcement didn't fit the mold of what we would call expectations. The king of the world being born in a manger, the king of the world being born in Bethlehem, it just doesn't add up, does it? Those considered by society to be the most holy weren't given a place in the stable to deal on holy ground and witness the arrival of the Messiah. No, it was the, it was the shepherds. It reminded people and it reminds us today that God's favor is not based on human standards. You look at to what society says, to who they revere, to who they worship, to who they look at. It's not the regular Joes. See, God's favor is on all those who humbly acknowledge their brokenness, accept the gifts of hope, love, and joy, and the peace that Jesus brings. The angels appeared to the shepherds, and the shepherds received the announcement of the good news. And then they became the message bearers of peace. So the shepherds come, and they tell this stuff to Mary. And Mary just beholds all these things in her heart and goes like, really? Jesus, Jesus even went so far as to call himself the good shepherd who loves and cares for his sheep. The restoration of wholeness and oneness with God was also through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus' arrival for the shepherds here marked the starting place of peace to all those who had placed their faith and trust in Christ. If you were to ask people today this question, do you have peace? They probably look at you a little weird. Peace and what? Peace, because there's so many things that can consume our minds, our thoughts, our actions as to what we do and what we're about. But do you have peace? There's so many things we're anxious about. There's so many things we're depressed about. There's so many things that aren't working out that we thought would. And yet the restoration of wholeness and oneness with God is the essence of peace. To be at peace with God. What's that really mean? 
See, Jesus arrived for the shepherd's mark, the starting place for this whole thing called peace. And to bless everyone who heard that message, that Jesus Christ came to bring peace to humanity. Look around you. Look at your coworkers. Look at people you spend time with. Do you see peace in their lives? Or do you see a lot of anxiety? But yet the Bible says that God's peace truly is with us. God's peace is not based on class or position or occupation, but on his purpose and design to bring good news that will bring joy, great joy for all people. God wants to bring peace into your life. He wants to bring joy. God, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth on whom his favor rests. So let's look at the peace of wholeness. Back in history, as recorded in the Old Testament, when God gave the law to Moses, he set up the rules and duties of the priests to guide the spiritual life of the ancient Jews. He gave them the ultimate blessing to speak to the people. In Numbers 6, 24 and 26, he says this, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Uh, you know what the Hebrew word for peace is? You probably know it. Shalom. Shalom. It means it reflects the word safety, completeness, wholeness. God says, I will give you my peace. This type of peace was foreshadowed by God with us. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, as foretold by the prophet Isaiah, where we read these words. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Here it is, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and holding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Jesus Christ brings peace. And I think as you look at our world, how many says it would be good to experience peace in our world? It would be awesome. But we see men rising up against men. We see just the continual slate of what I would call conflict being resonated across our TV screens every single day. Conflict, conflict, conflict. People that don't get along, conflict, conflict, conflict. No peace. The Jews of Jesus' day wanted a Messiah to establish a political justice against their oppressors. They said, you know, we want a Jesus, we want a Messiah that's going to relieve us from political oppression, and then we'll be fine. Today we have people that are looking for a Jesus that's going to solve their problems in their own life, and if he does that for them, then okay, I'll serve him. But they want a Jesus that they create of their own manipulations of what they want, not what the Bible teaches. They want Jesus to be the Aladdin in their life. You know, you can go to Atlanta and you get three magic wishes to what you want in your life. Well, you do this for me and then maybe I'll think about serving you. And so they lived under the iron rule of the Roman Empire the Jews did in that day. It was not by choice. They were conquered people at the mercy of a powerful military empire. But Jesus also understood and longed for shalom, for peace. The concept was foundational to their culture and spiritual life, the idea of peace. The completeness and wholeness that Christ would bring, they were hoping would relieve the problems that they were facing in their lives. Not peace for all eternity. It's the peace that God brings that calms our souls deeply. 
Do you have peace with God? Dr. Billy Graham in his tracks that he puts out for events of the cult, it's called Peace with God. And the idea is, it, and it lays out the whole plan of the gospel of how to put your faith and trust in Christ as you lay it out. Because when you put your trust in Christ, you have peace in your hearts because it's not on you to try to figure things out anymore. You just leave it in God's hands. I don't care what kind of struggle you're going through, what circumstance you're going in your life. If you have Jesus, you just say, Lord, this is your battle. Lord, this is your struggle. Lord, this is your circumstance. And Lord, I'm giving it to you because, frankly, I can't do anything about it. Ever been there? And when you lay things in God's hands, he brings a peace that the world just can't understand. But sometimes, you know, sometimes what, what is the greatest picture of peace? Peace sometimes can be this. You can see a raging, raging waterfall. And on that waterfall, you'll see a little ledge. And in that ledge is a bird that is calm, peaceful, and quiet. That's a perfect picture of peace. Because everything around is raging, but it's, it's got that peace in that little small spot. And the thing is, we can live in a world that is so full of issues and circumstances that can cause a lot of stress in our lives. Or we can just humbly bow our knees and say, Lord, I'm putting my trust in you and help me to trust in you. Because here's, here's the thing. When we do not trust God with the circumstance of life, there's no peace in the believer's life either. Do you hear me? A lot of us have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ and asked and given him our lives so that he would, li- so that he would live and reign within our hearts and lives. We get that. But a lot of times we become anxious. A lot of times we get depressed because we try to worry and try to figure out how do I get through the circumstance saying, Lord, I need your peace right now. I'm not feeling it because I'm feeling anxious about things that frankly I can't control. Do you hear me? The greatest amount of anxiety and depression you're going to face is over things you can't control. So who best to give it to when you're in that situation? So Lord, it's yours. So the trouble is when we hand it over to God, our problem is that oftentimes we take it back and try to figure out a way through it. And we wonder why we have no peace. And yet, the calm acceptance that it is well with my soul no matter what swirls and storms around me may happen is often the last thing a believer will think of. Yet the peace we need is the one we need in our hearts because you say, well, uh, my heart's been broken. Situations in my family aren't good. There's so many, all these things. Just give it over to God. And you say, well, that sounds simplistic. I'm glad you brought that up. Simplistic, yeah. So I'm going to ask you something. Yeah. Is what you're doing, being anxious and upset about the situation, is it doing you any good? Or here's another phrase I like it. Is it working for you? You know what the answer is? No, but the Advil is. (laughs) Whatever pills I want to take. But the problem is, after you take the pills, it still comes back. It doesn't go away. Near the end of Jesus' life, he spoke these words to his disciples shortly before he was arrested and crucified. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. 
Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid in John 14, verse 27. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of circumstances you can't control. Don't be afraid of those situations. He says, I'm going to give you my peace and the peace I give you is not something the world can ever give you. Because the peace that the world tries to offer doesn't last. Jesus knew that his followers were ready to experience a crushing, crashing blow. Made a gift for them, he said, because when he was going to be crucified on the cross, they're going to be anxious. They're going to be upset because this was not in the cards. They thought he was coming. He was going to establish his kingdom here on earth. He was going to relieve the yoke of Roman oppression. He was going to solve all their issues. And guess what? He wasn't the Jesus of their expectations. And yet peace is found, the Bible says, in the person of Christ. But the part of the aspect of understanding the peace that God gives is understanding what I would call the biblical Jesus. The Jesus that the Scripture lays out over and over again as to who he is and what he comes for. He is with us as Prince of Peace. And his assurance to his disciples that even that he would appear to be with them even in the midst of hopeless expectations. For the Bible says in Ephesians 2.14, for he himself is our peace. As we experience God's presence, we grow in and become inseparable from the peace that God gives us. What's that saying there? That even when I'm going through the toughest times, the toughest challenges in my life, and you can name whatever situation it is, there's a sense that we sometimes need to pull away, bow the knee to Christ, and say, Lord, I need to not only give this over to you, but I want to experience your peace in the midst of the storm. So that's the key thing. The key thing is that some, is experiencing God's peace even when the situation around you hasn't changed. Because we say, well, you know, you know, if Jesus comes into the situation, if he, if he just fixes the mess, then I'll, I'll be okay. No. He said, I am your peace, but put your trust in me. Not in your own abilities. Put your trust in what I can do, not your own abilities. Put your trust in me, not the circumstances around you. Jesus' peace is not simply that we agree to disagree. It is that in him we are made one. In wholeness we are reconciled to him, and that's how we experience peace. But peace can transform us and calm our storms. How peaceful is your Christmas season? If we're honest, we might choose words like busy, hectic, frantic to describe our, our lives at this time of year. Like every time you turn around, you know, I always talk to Rose and say, hey, what's next on the calendar? I'm, I'm losing track. I got this phone. I'm got the, the calendar is really working good on this thing. But there's sometimes that stuff that doesn't, oh, we're going, oh, what are we doing today? What, what's on the calendar next week? It's just like, go, 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 go. Doing more and enjoying it less. But then sometimes you ask yourselves in that process, you, you, you go through with all the family get together. And once you go, actually, it's actually a pretty nice time. It's actually really good. But maybe your schedule is overloaded and it's robbing you of peace right now. Or maybe something more, relational conflict, pressure at work, a lost job, an illness. Maybe you're a GM worker and you're thinking like, oh, what's my future looking like now? You know, for many of us, peace sounds like a long way. It's, it's a great idea. A nice thought for the holiday, something we might long after look for. 
But if only we could feel the peace that God gives us. If, this were, if that's where you find yourself, then let me encourage you. See, Jesus shows up in the storms of life that threaten our peace, hope, and joy. He's there with us when love seems lost and the way forward is totally unclear. When you feel like you're in the dark, and then Jesus takes your hand and says, I'll walk with you through this, and you put your confidence in him, it makes all the difference. It already does. But even the disciples in Jesus' day had a hard time grasping that truth that Jesus could bring peace because they were looking at all the circumstances around them. Do you remember the story of the disciples in the boat in the Sea of Galilee? I love that story. Uh, it must have been one bad storm in the water that day to make the disciples so afraid of that storm. Because these guys were experienced fishermen. If you've got experienced fishermen... You're on Lake Erie. You've been through a few storms. You say, yeah, I get it. Yet as their boat took on water, they were terrified because they hadn't seen quite a storm like this. The waves rose, the wind howled, and Jesus slept through it all. I don't know what he had to sleep, but he was, he was really sleeping. And finally the disciples awake him, and they shout to him this, don't you care what happens to us? Mark recorded it like this. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And then he arose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And as one author put it, and now they became more afraid of the Jesus in the boat than the storm that was outside the boat. Sort of like, what do you do? Just speaks. Everything stops. Oh, baby. Made some other words come out at that time, but the whole idea was like, okay, he's bringing the peace. With just the command for peace, the storm calms, the sea turned tranquil, and the disciples were in awe for a very good reason. Disciples sure sound like uh, like us sometimes, don't they? When things aren't looking too good for us, we often cry out, God, don't you even care? Every one of us, I'm sure, have been in a situation in our lives, in a circumstance, and we say, Lord, don't you care? Or Philip Yancey would have written that book called Disappointment with God, when God doesn't come through when we want him to. We think sometimes he's not paying attention or doesn't realize the magnitude of the situation. And we point to the spiral of our own storm. But in reality, God is still there. If we have him as our Lord and Savior. He's with us, always present. He knows all the swirls around. He sees beyond the wind and waves of our circumstances. The power of his peace isn't diminished by the storms. And all he's saying is, will you trust me? Will you trust me? See, the biggest struggle in fights that Rose and I sometimes get into is when we're on the road, we have a GPS, we have a map. She's the navigator and I'm the driver. And I'm saying, what road are we turning on? Well, I think it's this one, but I'm not really sure. What? That's when conflict arises. Because as I'm driving, I like to know exactly where I'm going. And 
there's times we've had some real we've had some real set tos when it comes to navigation, especially when you're in a city that you don't know and you're trying to find the directions and you're going like it can become very unsettling, very unpeaceful, a matter of fact, at times. Especially when you start doing the same circuit, you're going like, we already were at this street. We've already done this once or twice. How do we find the direction here? Do you finally say, we're going to pull over and pray to Jesus? No, we pull over and we look at a map sometimes. We look at the GPS because do you know that GPSs can be wrong? You hear about that all the time. I'm so thankful that the GPS of God's word never leads us wrong. Because God's word is the one that guides us through the storm. But God, God's there. He's always there, always present in all this, those situations. And so God with us will never, ever leave us. No matter what circumstance you're in, God is always there. And he always leads you and guides you. But here's that phrase I used last week. In his... Don't you hate that? Like sometimes in situations, circumstances, we just wish God, 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 I, I want you to come through now. Because in my perception, it's, I need it now. And God just says, hmm, hang on a little longer. What, what, what's, why do you think God does that to us? So he just wants to mess with us. So why does it always in his time? Why does, it, why does he do that, anyone? Why does he do that? Remind us, yeah, who's in control? He is. Because oftentimes when you look back at the situation, circumstance in your life, you can say, okay, God, you didn't come through when I wanted, but you did come through. When you came through, it was all good. It worked out the way. And sometimes it didn't work out because that wasn't your plan either. Hard to know. We come to God through prayer. He then changes us inside. God's peace is able to bring powerful transformation in our lives. Because you know what? When you're going through the storm and you're going through challenging situations, when people see the peace of God in your lives, it's perhaps the greatest testament that the Christian faith really works. Because your friends, your neighbors who don't know Christ are looking at you and going like, wow, they just went through that and that's how they are? Like, Really? And you can see, you know, it's because of what Christ did in my life. Paul described the process like this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Give it over to God. Trust Him. And then he said, then His peace... Because what you do, you say, I, I just give it to God. Okay, really. If you got to God, is there anything you need to worry about? No, just leave it. Here's what I found out in my life. I've been around a little while. Some of you have been around a little longer than I have. Here's what I found out. Listen, listen to me really, really good here. Most of the stuff you have sweated about in your lives never, ever happened. Because you manufactured something in your life that was so big and it was going to be so bad guess what? It didn't happen. And then God just looks at you and says, I've got it under control. I'll see you through. And so as I look at the situation in my life, and you look at the situation in your life, you'll see that some of the worst case scenarios you manufactured in your mind, and your mind can manufacture a lot of crazy things, didn't happen 
And you just have to let things go and say, God, sorry that I didn't trust you more. Because the hardest thing sometimes is in this challenging circumstances of life, when you're not feeling the peace, say, Lord, I'm going to trust you with this, even though I don't feel like it. But God says, trust me, and you'll experience my peace. And so, he's the Prince of Peace, the giver of shalom, the giver of the Spirit of Peace. When we come close to him, when we go to worship him like the shepherds did, we connect with him, and he transforms us, and he transforms our outlook. No matter how bad the situation, no matter how bad the storm's swirling around, and within us, he can calm it, he can carry it through. Look for Christ this week. You may find him as a babe lying in a manger, or in a carpenter's son sleeping in a boat. He may even initially seem to you as did to the disciples that sometimes you think, does God really care? But in the midst of whatever life holds this week, remember that Christ comes as the Prince of Peace, always with us, restoring us to God through wholeness and comfort. I want God to be your guide. I want you to learn to grow closer to God through this challenging situation because folks, guess what? I don't like to tell you this, there's more storms coming. Because you think, well, I got through this one, no more, right? Eh, sorry, not the way life works. There's also there's always stressors throughout life, situations that you're not expecting that are going to happen. But the thing is, if I learn to give it over to God and trust Him and experience His peace in that circumstance, there'll be another challenge where I can grow greater in my walk with Him by trusting in Him and experiencing His peace in my life every step along the way. What's God doing? He's teaching us, number one, who's in control. Number two, He's just saying, would you learn to trust me? Would you learn to trust me? As hard as this, trust me. And when you trust Him, you'll experience His peace. Let's pray. Father, thanks for Your Word to our hearts this morning. Continue to lead us, guide us, Father, thank you that at this time of season we call God with us. Help us experience your peace in our lives. And my friend, if you're here today you don't know Christ as your Savior, then you don't know peace. You really don't. The peace you might experience in your life is circumstantial. It comes and it goes. My friend, if you put your faith and trust in him and ask him to forgive your sin and come into your life, you can know the peace that God brings into your life, a sense of security the sense of knowing he's got it under control. Would you ask him? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.